Hey, what's up? I'm Lee McCormick. Welcome to Tramps Like Us, a Bruce Springsteen podcast. This is episode 13, Springsteen Fandom Volume 3 with Charles Harrison. Charles is going to join us for our discussion today. We're going to talk about his love of Springsteen. He's a good guy, fellow Springsteen fan, fellow uh, Torontonian. So uh, thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy this show. Thanks for listening. Harrison, how you doing, man? Great, Lee. Good to meet you, and I'm thrilled to have you uh, ask me to be on the show today. And I guess a shout-out goes to our mutual friend, Mitch Slater, for suggesting it. Yeah, Mitch put us in contact. I had Mitch on uh, a couple weeks ago. We did our Summertime Bruce show, where our favorite Bruce songs, and he's like, you know, Charles? Charles is a Toronto guy. And uh, so, yeah, he put us in contact, and uh, now Charles is on the show, we're going to talk some Springsteen. All right. Yeah, so uh, so let's just get started with the, the very beginning. Where did you... Uh, discover Springsteen? Where did it start? <clears throat> Lee, I'm um, originally from Whitehorse, Yukon Territory. Really? Yeah. And uh, when I was in grade 10, about 15 years old, which to date myself a little bit would have been 1977, 78, uh, <coughs> I was over waiting for a friend of mine so we could go out on the town so much as the town is in Whitehorse, Yukon. Yeah. And while I was waiting for him, his cool older brother who knew everything about music and all other cool things that we worshipped uh, took out an album and uh, plopped it on and said, you got to check this guy out. And he swung the needle over to a song called Backstreets on an album called Born to Run. Thank you. 
been hooked ever since. Wow, eh? It's kind of cool that the guy put that track on. That's the one I guess he wanted you to hear, right? Uh, that was the one, and I don't <laughs> know why he selected that one because, uh, as you know, Whitehorse, uh, Yukon is not exactly a <laughs> shore summer town. Exactly, but, uh, yeah. The imagery just resonated with me, and uh, then I just listened to the album over and over and over again. Unbeknownst to me, I'd uh, <laughs> been making out with a local girl to a song called Blinded by the Light, but I had no idea it was a Springsteen song because uh, it was a Manfred Mann track as far as I knew. Yeah, um, we I didn't I didn't know that song was a Springsteen song until much later myself, right? Yeah, exactly. So uh, so from there, uh, a little later that year, Darkness came out. And, uh, so between Born to Run and Darkness, I backtracked a little bit and kind of embraced Asbury. It took me a little longer to get uh, to get into uh, yeah. Wild and the Innocent, but uh, I eventually uh, got there. Yeah. And uh, that's it. That's all. The rest is history. The rest, yeah. So if you're from Yukon, I guess Springsteen didn't play Yukon very much then. So when did it get a chance to actually see him live? Yeah, so um, after I finished high school, I ended up in Vancouver going to the University of British Columbia. Right. And the first opportunity I had to see Bruce was on the Born in the USA tour in uh, 1985, October 15th, 1985. Wow, that's excellent. Precise. Yeah, that was, the, that was the, the infamous tour that I, I couldn't see when I was a little kid. And I cried and I cried, and, uh, but I couldn't get to, to that show. You know? <laughs> well, I kind of got spoiled. I mean, you know, uh, the first show uh, I saw, uh, you know, he did Thunder Road, he did Born to Run. It trapped. It was the first time I'd actually ever heard the song "Trapped," wow. uh, which absolutely blew my mind. Uh, "Jungle Land." You know, for your first show, you get "Jungle Land" with Clarence, of course, mm-hmm. uh, and the Detroit medley. And he actually rapped with "Santa Claus is Coming to Town." Wow, eh? Yeah. You got a Christmas song in October. I guess he was I did, feeling yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Christmas came early. And that tour, he, he was doing like two sets, right? Like he would do like a like a ninety-minute set, and then like another. 90 minute 100 minute set kind of thing right yeah there's a short break in in the middle there yeah yeah it's interesting uh, i was talking to a friend of mine recently a fellow springsteen uh, nut here in uh, in toronto a guy named mark dempsey and uh mark has this old springsteen book that talks about that show and it doesn't quote the set list but it says that the crowd was unruly so uh, <laughs> so dempsey was actually asking me if the crowd was in fact unruly, unruly. and uh, well you know i, I might have been contributing that because i think i was only i don't know 21 years old or something like that yeah so yeah i was at my unruly best or worst <laughs> cool so that was the first so uh how did it continue from there? How many shows have you seen? Have you ah the infamous question? <laughs> we'll get to that in a sec. Right. Um, so I, I lived in uh, Vancouver until 2008. Yeah. And whenever Bruce comes to the Pacific Northwest, he generally only plays two of three cities, and sometimes only one. So he'll do Portland, uh, Tacoma, Seattle, or Vancouver. Right. So I had fairly limited access till 2008 when I moved out to Toronto. Now, I did see every show that he did when he was on tour out there in one of those three venues, sometimes two of those three venues. Right, excellent. Um, <clears throat> with the exception of the Tom Joad tour. So he only did two shows in the Pacific Northwest, one in, in Portland and one in uh, Seattle. Yeah. And I was unable to make either of those. But when I got out here um, in 2008, uh, we really started kind of picking it up. And uh, I guess, uh, you know, Wrecking Ball, we saw a whack of shows on Wrecking Ball. Uh, we saw a whack of shows on High Hopes. We actually went to Australia and New Zealand for High wow. Hopes. Wow, uh, excellent. Uh, we actually, on, on Wrecking Ball, we did uh, we did Italy, Ireland, uh, coast wow. to coast, North America. That's almost this almost thing right now is to see Springsteen in Europe. It used to be like the New York, uh, New Jersey shows is where you want to see the boss, but now it's like Europe's turned into this 
thing where it's like a Springsteen show in Europe is kind of different and it's special, right? It's indescribable. Really? It's indescribable. Yeah, we uh, we actually went over and caught a couple of shows this summer on the River Tour. Uh, but on the Wrecking Ball Tour, the first show I saw on the Wrecking Ball Tour uh, was Rockin' in Roma, where he did Serenade with Full Strings. Wow. And talk about getting spoiled yeah. at the first show. And the Italian fans are world-renowned for their passion. And I can assure you, everything you've heard... Is more and and more is true. They are. It's just the crowd, I guess, right? It's just the fans. It's just the vibe of the building when you get in there. Yeah, I guess. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. And then uh, from there we went to Ireland, and you know, well, Bruce has that very very strong uh, connection Connection to Ireland, dad's side, uh, yeah, given his uh, his roots. And uh, you know, the Irish fans are absolutely insane. Wow. And I mean that in a good way. Uh, So you know, we saw some shows in Ireland as well, and uh, you know, the first one we saw was in Limerick, which. uh, people for some reason refer to a stab city that people seem to frown on limerick really but uh, a just a fantastic kind of crowd great group of people uh i was traveling i turned 50 that summer so both my wife and i turned 50 and i was traveling with a couple of my high school buddies from whitehorse right. who were also wow. fellow springsteen enthusiasts so uh we rolled over on the big 5-0 with a european springsteen tour that's excellent that's a memorable thing man yeah so uh oh the infamous question how many shows have you <laughs> seen well I've seen him dozens and dozens of times, and the reason I'm right. being a, a little vague, a little, a little yeah. <laughs> vague on that is uh, that's a question that uh, that that just kind of rubs me the wrong way. Because, and here's why. Well, there's no right or wrong answer. Well, no, but but here's why. Okay. So, um, over the course, especially over the last since 2008, you know, I've been to a whack of shows and I've met a bunch of people, and the overwhelming majority of them are, are fantastic, really, really good folks. <clears throat> but I've had the uh, occasion to uh, to meet one of the super fans from New Jersey, somebody who has seen Bruce probably more than anybody else or yeah. several hundred times. And uh, <clears throat> he sort of has this attitude that, you know, unless you've seen Bruce, you know, at least three quarters as many times as him, you're not worth talking to. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Yeah, I don't buy into that. Well, this was evidenced when we were in Australia. I actually ran into this guy in Australia. And uh, he's from a a town I won't name in New Jersey. And we were traveling with a good friend of mine from Ireland, somebody that, in fact, we met at the Limerick concert and have become traveling companions with ever since. And this is a guy who's a Springsteen aficionado. I mean, you know, this guy has has traveled the world to see Bruce. And uh, I don't know what Merv's show count is, but it's respectable. But he's made some serious sacrifices. Mm -hmm. And this guy really kind of looked down his nose at Merv because he hadn't seen Bruce 200 times and sort of really sort of disrespected him. Uh, And from that point on, I kind of thought, you know, this is antithesis to everything Bruce stands for. Exactly, yeah. You know, Bruce is nobody wins unless everybody wins. Right. And when I saw this super fan who has seen him, I don't know how many hundred times, disrespecting a fellow fan who uh, had seen a fair number of shows, it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. So from this... there on, I kind of figured it doesn't matter how many shows you've seen because you can be at your first show and be a huge fan who has the time of their lives. Or you can be at your 401st show and be a disrespectful knob. Exactly, so. yeah. It's all what you get out of it, you know. Like, some people don't have the financial means to do this. I mean, like, if I if I was able to, I would see many more shows than I've seen. I've seen about 10 shows over the last 15 years. Like I said, I didn't get the opportunity to see shows until 99, living in Toronto, you know. Some people can't afford to just 
travel everywhere and that's where they live and the circumstances and yeah absolutely life you know? gets in the way sometimes family and stuff like that right you know there's mouths to feed and mortgages to pay and uh, you know i'm fortunate enough that i'm of an age where uh, i have no dependents and yeah. uh, you know uh, the, the housing costs are under control exactly, so my, yeah. you know my wife and i are sort of free and clear and are, are able to travel around and see these things yeah have so. some fun but you see you can't quantify the uh a Springsteen fan by, you know, how much money they've spent on the artist, you know, it's the enjoyment you get out of it, I think, the bottom line. Right? Yeah, for sure. And uh, just one other sidebar on my little bitter note about the mm-hmm. uh, the New Jersey superfan. Turns out I found this out later from a very reliable source. He actually, or in the early days, financed his uh, his his Bruce stocking by selling bootlegs of Bruce concerts, oh. which once again <laughs> to me is just the absolute antithesis of what a Bruce fan should be. Exactly. So. Like, I'm all for bootlegs, but not really selling them. If you want to trade them, that's cool. If, so I'm sure Bruce would have issues with this guy possibly, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Could well be. Anyway, yeah. on, on to more positive all subjects. All right, yeah. So um, so what's there, are there any standout concerts you've, you've seen over the years? Any kind of moments that are, oh, that one night was the one or... Well, Lee, I've actually quantified that. Really? I, I, I wrote down <laughs> my five top shows. Of Whoa, all let's time. go through the top five. That's a great. Uh, so I'll start off with my number one show of all time. And this will surprise people, I think. But mm-hmm. my favorite show was actually at the Key Arena in Seattle, August 11th, 2005, on the Devils and Dust Tour. Wow. And, uh, you know, the reason why is I'd seen Bruce a bunch of times, but I'd never seen him solo. Like I'd that, missed yeah. the opportunity with Tom Joad. Uh, and to see him live, solo, playing every stringed and keyed instrument under the sun and holding an audience absolutely riveted mm. and captive captive for two hours and 45 minutes just blew my mind. I mean, I loved the guy. I knew he was great, but I didn't really appreciate what a good musician yeah. he was. I you see this other side of him. Lyricist, yeah. great band leader, but to see him solo acoustic and just be riveted uh was was absolutely beyond anything i had expected yeah that's amazing and when you see some of these songs um transformed into this kind of acoustic intimate setting like that they can really come to life in a different way his yeah, songwriting I mean, does that you you're know? absolutely right and, you know i mean to see a song like darkness come to life with one guy on the stage yeah, yeah. just mind-blowing and you know he rolled out some real rarities in there uh like you know i mean frankie it yeah. was the first time I'd seen him do For You, which is, uh, you know, a longtime favorite of mine. And then, you know, my favorite song off the Devils and Dust album, which is, uh, you know, not a particularly popular song, but The Hitter. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, I think is just a, an amazing slice of Americana. I mean, talk about living a character through a song. I was just blown away by that. Come to the change. I was just pacing through and got caught in a rain. There's nothing I want, nothing that you need to see. Just let me lie down for a while and I'm gonna be on my way. I was no more a kid when you put me on the summer. With the police on my back, I fled to New Orleans. I followed the dockyards in with the money I made. I knew the fight was my home and blood was my tree. Baton Rouge, Ponchatoula, and Lafayette. 
Champion Jack Thompson, the field for the mind. Rain poured through the tent, the canvas, and it mixed with our blood. In the twelfth, I slipped my tongue over my broken jaw. I study them for the cuts 
The scars, the pain, no man, no time can erase. I move hard to the left, and I strike to the face. So that's my number one of all time. Yeah, excellent. Good show. Uh, number two uh, is the first show I ever saw, you know, mm -hmm. October 15th, 1984. Hey, you never forget your first. And, uh, you know, I got the full East Street experience and Clarence yeah, on excellent. Jungle Land, as I previously wow, yeah. mentioned. Uh, you know, wow, I just couldn't wait for more. Unfortunately, <laughs> at that time, I was a university student and couldn't uh, really afford to go following tours. Yeah. In yeah, fact, yeah. I had to wait uh, I had to wait till uh, till 88 to see him again. See him again, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Number three on my list was on the reunion tour, which I saw at the Rose Garden in Portland, Oregon on April 3rd, 2000. And, uh, you know, it was a relatively short show. Most of the reunion shows weren't uh, like weren't 245 they were going, right? 245. Yeah, yeah, sort of like 25, 24, yeah. 25 songs. Um, <laughs> now, I had seen him on every other tour in between, and there was just something special about... Uh, seeing Bruce and the band again. It wasn't Bruce and those guys. Yeah. Even though those guys were, you know, fine and accomplished musicians mm -hmm. to see the whole group together again on the reunion tour. Yeah. Plus it was a great road trip to Portland, Oregon, my favorite city in the United States. Yeah. Uh, that was, was such a great a tour. Show. Yeah, that 99 reunion tour. That was actually my first show. Like I said, I couldn't get to the uh, Born in the USA tour. And I, 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 was in, I was a young kid, so I didn't want to go see the Amnesty International show. He played Maple Leaf Gardens in Toronto, and I was just like, I don't want to see Sting and Peter Gabriel and Tracy Chapman, and Bruce is only going to play 45 minutes, so I didn't <laughs> go to that. Hindsight 2020, I made a big mistake on that. And My other mistake, he played, and then he did a, a Human Touch Lucky Town tour. That was my next opportunity, and there was a story with that where I, was, I lined up to get tickets at the when you had to line up to get tickets, yep. the Bass outlets or Ticketmaster or whatever, and I was in line that day, and it was a big mess, like a big clusterfuck. Like, no one knew what was going on. Everybody's in line. And then I just had a bad vibe. I'm like, ah, oh, Soul Springsteen, no E Street band. And I think I got right up to the ticket guy, and he didn't have any good seats left, so I just bailed. And I didn't go to that show. Ghost of Tom Joad, he played Massey Hall. Tickets sold out. Couldn't get tickets for that. So I didn't get to see him until the 99 reunion show. But, you know, what an entry point to see that band come to back with him all uh, you know rejuvenated and just a killer greatest hit set list and stuff and like you were saying he wasn't really the shows, shows were kind of short and he wasn't really messing with the set list the way he does now i guess the band was kind of relearning a lot of this material right so he didn't want to really throw too many surprises at them but uh yeah and i you know as as you've said i think everyone i mean the atmosphere for that reunion tour everyone was just so thrilled to have the to yeah. have the band back together the, the atmosphere was just electric yeah. and you're hearing a lot of these songs that he didn't play in a while without the e street band right like, absolutely so, so that yeah. was great yeah so number four on my list uh was in limerick ireland as i mentioned july 16th 2013 on the wrecking ball tour uh, and this marked the first time I had ever seen him do a pre-show acoustic set, Ooh, that's nice, which yeah. absolutely blew my mind. Uh, and I almost missed it because I was I was off in the bathroom, and all of a sudden the crowd went wild. And we'd been queuing for days. I don't know if you're familiar with the queuing procedure in uh, in Europe. Not in Europe. What's that like? Well, people show up uh, up to three days before the oh, show. Oh, Lord. <laughs> get a number written on your hand, and then there's a roll call about every four hours or so that you have to come back for to maintain your place in line. And we had uh, we had pretty uh, pretty good number, you know. Uh, we got there the day before, and we were within the three first 300 people that got into the stadium, so we were pretty close wow. to the front. 
uh, and uh, so I went off to uh, to visit the little boys' room, and uh, all of a sudden I heard the crowd go crazy, and uh, I heard Bruce speaking to the crowd. So I rushed <laughs> back out, somehow made my way back to uh, to my wife and my yeah. buddies, and uh, Bruce uh, went right into does this bus stop at 82nd Street? Followed that up with for you again, one of my faves, and Hearts of Stone. Wow. So I did a three-song solo acoustic set uh, at about 5.30 in the afternoon. Just said, thanks very much, folks. Uh, we'll be back in a couple hours, and off you went. That's excellent. Like he, I think he does that just for the, you know, it was the hardcore people that have been staying out there. So he just goes out there to give them a little, little treat, right? Yeah, yeah. He did uh, He did the same thing a couple of nights later when we went and saw him in court. But to see that the first time was fantastic. Uh, things about that show that made it unbelievably special is uh, he opened with, he actually he opened and closed with uh, This Little Light of Mine, which is, a, you know, a great uh, high-energy song. Yeah. The second song he did was American Land. And when you do American Land in Ireland, Ireland yo. dude, <laughs> I thought those walls were coming down. The crowd was jumping and screaming. I was, I'd never heard that kind of noise at a show before. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was, I, was, I was just glad the stadium was still standing. Yeah. <laughs> That, uh, was that Tom Morello on guitar? No, no, no. Was Steve for there for that show? That was 13, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, he did, uh, in that show, he did uh, Full Born to Run. Oh, the album Full Born to Run. Full oh, album. Oh, you got Born to see to that. That's a, that's a gem to see. Uh, and he rolled out Drive All Night. And mm. back then, Drive All Night before the River Tour was a real rarity. Yeah. And he did, uh, he did a stirring version of Drive All Night in the encore, which just left everybody absolutely breathless. Excellent. Uh, that show went three hours and 40 minutes. Whew. So to that point, it was the longest show that I had ever actually seen him do. Wow. Uh, and uh, that was the show where we met uh, my previously mentioned friend, Merv McGee, who, uh, who is a university professor at Queen's University in Belfast. Yeah. And uh, became fast friends, and we've been traveling the world with Merv ever since. In fact, we're going to meet up with Merv uh, on September 8th uh, to check out the shows in Philly and Pittsburgh. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Um, kind of rounding out the top five, 
uh, Melbourne, Australia, Melbourne 1, February 15th, 2014. Uh, a few things made that show really, really special. It was the first time I got to see a show with my sister and my brother-in-law. Uh, I had uh, my better three-quarters. Kathy was with us, of course. Uh, Merv traveled all the way from Ireland to be there, uh, as did uh, my long and die-hard buddy Shane Fairman from Whitehorse, Yukon. So we had a great group of people, and we followed the High Hopes tour across Australia. But wow. uh, Melbourne One was our first show. That got off to a pretty good start because Bruce came out and said, uh, we've got a special guest who's going to join us for a couple of numbers, Eddie Vedder. <laughs> and as a longtime Pearl Jam fan yeah. from the Pacific Northwest to see Eddie on stage with Bruce uh, and throw Morello into the mix, I, I was just, I was over the moon. That's it was unbelievable. Cool. You saw, was that one of those shows you did Highway to Hell, isn't it? Opened with Highway to Hell and then him and Eddie did a duet on Darkness. Oh, that's badass. That version of Highway to Hell is really cool. It I remember is. when that came out, I was like, Whoa. You ready for round three?
phenomenal. And, uh, and then Eddie Vedder jumped down into the crowd and watched the show, uh, you know, with the crowd. He yeah. was probably about 40 feet away from us. Uh, we were also dead center front at that show. There was one person between us and the stage and a 55,000 person, well, 55,000 people. Uh, ridiculously yeah. good show. Played some rarities. Uh, played Seeds, played Jolie Blonde, which is a fantastic show. That's Seven cool, Nights man. to Rock. Wow. And I got to tell you, the Australian fans know their Bruce. Really are. We were shocked <laughs> at how enthusiastic and knowledgeable the Australian fans were. He went three hours and 35 minutes at Melbourne 1. The next night at Melbourne 2, which was a spectacular show, um, he actually went uh, three hours and 48 minutes. Wow. Yeah. And in that Melbourne 1 show, he did... Uh, Full album, Born in the USA. The next night, Melbourne 2, he did a full album, Born to Run Again. Excellent. Yeah, so we've made a ton of friends in Australia. We reconvened with a bunch of them in Los Angeles and Phoenix yeah. on, on the river tour because they are, you know, a crazy bunch of traveling maniacs, <laughs> kind of like us, and great, great fans. I really hope he does 2017, which is strongly rumored right now in yeah. Australia because we'll be back. Excellent. Good stuff. I will throw in a couple of honorable mentions. Sure. Uh, Charlotte on the High Hopes tour was a phenomenal show. What made that one stand out is he opened with Iceman. Wow. Which was only the second time he'd ever performed it. First time he'd ever performed it with the E Street Band. Iceman, that's a tracks song. Yeah, probably. yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd heard it a few times off tracks, and everyone was kind of looking at each other when he first laid into it, and then yeah. the penny dropped, and we were, wow, I can't believe he's playing this. <laughs> Sleepy town ain't got the guts to budge. Baby, this emptiness has already been judged I want to go out tonight I want to find out what I got You're a strange part of me You're a preacher's girl And I don't want no peace mechanical world got my arms open wide and my blood is running hard we'll take the midnight road right to the devil's door and even the white angels of Eden with their flaming swords won't be from hidden town in this dirty old form. Well, it don't take no nerve when you got nothing to guard. I got tombstones in my eyes and I'm running real hard. My baby was a lover and the
shadows of your daddy's church better than the waiting baby better off is the search uh, incidentally he opened one of the Paris shows with Iceman as well yeah just, just recently, and uh, a friend of mine from Toronto here, hello Ellen if you're listening, uh, she was present for both of those, wow. so she got uh, two out of the three times Iceman has ever been played, which nice. is really rare. <laughs> uh, and then uh, I did mention uh, Rome in uh, July of 2013, where he, uh, you know, serenade with strings, uh, you know, wow, he did yeah. uh, side two off uh, The Wild and the Innocent, which was... Yeah, he did it right uh, in a row, right? Like he yeah. did, uh, what's like a uh, incident... Yep. Rosalita and then New York Serenade, right? Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. excellent. <laughs> yeah. So so those are the top five with uh, with a couple of honorable mentions thrown in. Good stuff, eh? Yeah. No one can shake their head at those shows. Excellent. So what about the E Street Band? Have you ever uh, you ever met any of the guys in the, that band? Have you ever had any encounters yeah. with Bruce or the band? I've never met Bruce. Yeah. I've never met Bruce. Um, I met Steve down in Auburn Hills on the river tour. Uh, as you know, he, uh, he has the Rock and Roll Forever Foundation, I mm-hmm. think it's called. Yeah. And uh, one of my buddies here in Toronto, Mike Dobos. So, Mike, if you're listening, there's a shout-out for you. Uh, Mike called me up and he said, hey, uh, you know, I've, I've got a bargain. Uh, we'll get a chance to meet Steve and we're guaranteed to, to get into the pit. Uh, are you in? And so uh, <laughs> instantly both Kathy and I said, yeah, we're there. Yeah. jumped in and drove down and uh, we got a little meet and greet with Steve uh, and that was really really cool because meeting Steve was fantastic mm-hmm. and you know we got the instructions and it was what you'd think it would be it was a you know a, just just a quick meet and greet. A couple of seconds hey yep. how you doing yeah uh, but you know a, a good eye contact firm handshake and a thank you for your a genuine thank you for your support but in the room there was this sort of really elegant woman with uh, with a real presence about her and I was mm. looking at her and I, I know I should know who that is and I saw Rich Russo. I don't know if you know Rich. He's a, yeah, he's a DJ yeah, from yeah. down that area? Yeah, he's a, he's a buddy of Mitch's. Right. So I saw Rich talking to her, and I went up to Rich, and I said, uh, I said man, who, I know what you know who that is. Who is it? It's Martha Reeves. Oh, really? Yeah, so Martha Reeves from Martha and the Vandellas, a right, living yeah. legend, wow. was in the room. So we got to go over and uh, chat with her for a little while, and she was delightful. Uh, I think I might have saw, like, they... they might have like Instagrammed a photo of them, the three of them, Steve, Bruce, and Martha together, like a pre-show or something I'm, like that. I'm sure they probably did. Yeah, I think yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, but she is just an absolute delight. You know, she uh, she had her her big old lady purse with her. <laughs> and I asked her to get a picture taken. Uh, she said, uh, "Absolutely, sugar. Just wait a minute. Let me put my lipstick on. I want to look good for you." Oh, that's and, great. And uh, so then she uh, she had nothing but time for everyone who wanted to talk to her. She's just a first-rate person, and uh, she was actually a Detroit City Councilor for many years. Wow! As well, so accomplished on many fronts. Excellent. Cool stuff. Um, Jake Clemens. Oh yeah. <laughs> I've met Jake a number of times. Uh, I've gone to see a few of his solo shows here in Toronto and down in Hamilton. Um, and Jake, uh, Jake's a bit of a regular, and he's got, uh, from what I understand, this is secondhand information, but from a pretty reliable source. Uh, Jake's, uh, well, I know for a fact, uh, the guitar player in Jake's band is Mark Rashot from Belleville. Really? And uh, from what I hear, Jake actually did his last solo album up at the Empire Theatre in Belleville. Mm. So he has a pretty strong Ontario connection. All right. And uh, he's a real gentleman. Uh, if you ever get a chance, uh, hang around after the show a little bit. He always comes out, chats with people in the crowd. And really? He really cool. is a first-rate guy. 
uh, Eddie Mannion. Yeah. So Eddie uh, came up here last year for Light of Day. He was playing with Joe Grishecki and the House Rockers. He's a sax guy, right? Yep. 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 And again, first-rate guy. Uh, more than willing to spend all the time in the world talking to the fans and uh, a really accomplished guy. He put out a great solo album last year that I would highly recommend that has a great version of City of, uh, City of Night on it. Really? Cool. So, yeah, well worth a listen. All right, check that out. Yeah. It seems that, like, Bruce included and all the E Street guys, they're just regular good guys. Like, the one thing you always hear about when people meet Springsteen is he's just like you think he is. Like, he's exactly how you want him to be, just a regular good guy, you know? Yeah, that's what I've heard. I'm sure we've all played the scenarios out in our mind. Yeah. Of, you know, what we'd say to what Bruce we if say. we ever had a chance to meet him. And, you know, I'm sure we all think we'd be pretty cool. But I think I'd probably be a stuttering fool. Uh, yeah, as, yeah. Much as, uh, <laughs> as much as I'd like to think I would be all cool and I say something you, man. like. I uh, love you, man. Say something like, hey, what kind of Harley are you riding now, Bruce? I'd yeah, probably yeah. just be too starstruck for uh, to get a word out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. What about some albums? What Was, was there a first album you bought? I know your first album you heard was Born to Run, but you were just right in there buying everything from that day forward heard it ran out and bought, bought it. it yeah yep uh played the grooves off it and as i said uh, shortly thereafter literally within a couple of months of getting turned on to born to run uh darkness came darkness out. yeah so same thing with darkness uh had that on geez I, I had it on album i had it on cassette uh <laughs> used to used to drive around in my mighty mighty datsun b210 and white horse with uh, <laughs> both of those just blaring out of the windows uh then uh then picked up greetings and uh you know played uh, played a lot of stuff off greetings and uh and then of course in 1980 the river came out yeah all yeah. right excellent stuff yeah so you know um Born to Run is not only my favorite album, and Backstreets is not only my favorite Springsteen song. Yeah, uh, Backstreets is my favorite song. Full stop. No Any other artists. contenders. Yeah, uh, and uh, Born to Run is absolutely my favorite album of all time. Number two being Exile on Main Street by the Stones. Yeah, good, good stuff. What about some? What about some least favorites? I know we always talk to everybody about what's your favorite. What's your favorite? We gotta have some least favorites. Like I know we love Springsteen, and we pretty much love everything he does. But there's always some things that are like kind of at the bottom of the pile, right? Funny you should say that <laughs> because I was on Facebook a little earlier today, and I'm a I'm a member of uh, of uh, a Bruce uh, group on there called Spring Nuts. So yeah. Shout out to Howie Chaz, great guy, runs that site, doesn't put up with any bickering or BS. It's yeah, just yeah. all positive. And he'd reposted something that a journalist in uh, in New Jersey had put up about uh, the worst song off every Springsteen album. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I mean, there's a couple of albums, and I'm, I'm a diehard fan. There are some stinkers out there. I'll get to those in a yeah. sec. But is there a bad song on Born to Run? Is there a bad song on Nebraska? Is there a there's bad not. song on Darkness? Born in the USA, there's not a bad. He's, he's got about six or seven albums, I think, that are 10 out of 10. Perfect. Don't change them, you know? Yeah. But uh, but I did compile my stinker mm. list. <laughs> so here's my bottom five. Songs bottom five of, of songs we're talking here. Songs. Okay, cool. Songs. Uh, there's a pair of queens on there. You know, one of the supermarket. Oh. One. Uh, oh. One. Uh, <laughs> a Mary from Arkansas. Can't stand either of those songs. Really, I don't know if you. I, we just did a. I did an episode with Tom England. Uh, we did a working on a dream album review, and he's not a fan of Queen of the Supermarket. I love that song. Hey, That's <laughs> to, to each their own. I'm glad it brings you happiness. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and I've tried, man. I've yeah. really tried, but it just doesn't resonate. With That's me. cool. I get it. Uh, Wild Billy has. Is, I've just never been able to get a, uh, to get a handle mm-hmm. on Wild Billy. I've never been able to like that, sa- yeah. that song. Uh, skin to skin, off. Uh, I don't know that. Skin to skin. What's sure, you do. Off, uh, off uh, the rising. Yeah, let's uh, let's be friends. Oh, let's be friends. Yeah, 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 can't can't do that. That was, I think, 
was that the one song he never played off the rising i think i was a i was a backstreet subscriber right that eric i think that was before it was so easy to get set lists off the yeah. off the internet so i loved backstreets because they would cover every yeah, set list right so the, the issue would come out and you would get like the last four months of show set list and stuff like that and they were always saying oh he the fuse played for the first time paradise played for the first time and i don't think he ever got to let's be friends uh that wouldn't <laughs> have broken my heart <laughs> and uh real man real man yeah so, real man is uh yeah. so those are my bottom five and hey if anyone out there loves those songs all the power to you i'm not putting you down i'm glad they bring you happiness that's they true just, but they're the ones that i skipped through. i'm sure there are people out there those are their absolute favorites you know? yeah and I, I did do a top five as well sure uh so my top five uh backstreet's absolutely uh my favorite springsteen song as i mentioned earlier the first song i ever heard and it has just stayed with me through the years uh thunder road number two song of all time uh, my top five is a little heavy on born to run mm-hmm. so uh so thunder road this one might surprise you a little bit uh, my third favorite song of all time is open all night off nebraska mm-hmm. Uh, a number of reasons, I think, predominantly because I think my single biggest accomplishment in my first year of university was memorizing all the lyrics to Open All Night. Right, so, yeah. so I've always had uh, <laughs> you know a soft spot for that. Jungle Land, uh, how, how can it not be in your top five? Epic. It's just an yeah. iconic, iconic song. And then Round Out with an old-time classic New York City Serenade. Right. Excellent. Yeah. Great stuff, man. Yeah, so... So uh, the current River Tour is going on right now. How many shows have you seen on this tour? Uh, so far, we've seen 15. 15? <laughs> yeah, 15 with, awesome. with four to go. Four to go. And uh, how many were in the in the Europe? We only saw two in Europe two this time. Uh, you know, I'd kind of... I front-loaded my holiday schedule this year yeah. so we could follow the River Tour. You know, my buddy Merv came over from Ireland, uh, and so we wanted to make sure we could spend as much time uh, together as possible. So uh, so we front-loaded the River Tour. Also went out to the West Coast and met up with my buddies from uh, from Whitehorse who came down. So, you know, we caught, uh, we caught uh, two of the three L.A. shows and, and Phoenix uh, out West. Um, <laughs> uh so I, I didn't have as much time as I would have liked to uh, to have done European shows, yeah. uh, but we had some fortuitous timing from a, a work perspective. My wife was uh, presenting at a conference in Ireland that I was attending, uh, and that, uh, unfortunately it didn't line up with the Irish dates, but seeing as we were in Europe, the next two shows he played were in Munich and in Berlin, yeah. so we were lucky enough to see Excellent. both of those shows. Cool. Uh, both outstanding shows, you know, the European fans, as previously mentioned, are fantastic. Got together with uh, a couple of German friends that we'd met at Light of Day in Asbury Park a couple of years before and just had uh, a fantastic time. The German fans, you know, people always talk about the Italians and people talk about the Spanish. The German fans, rate. They are excellent fans. They know their Bruce and they are very, very passionate as well. Good stuff. All right. In fact, when we were leaving Berlin, (laughs) we were kind of the last ones out of the stadium and there was a group of six of us. And as we were leaving Berlin, we were coming up the, uh, the stairs and we could hear this singing and chanting and we didn't really know what was going on. We got to the top of the stairs and there was about 200 people singing Waiting for a Sunny Day. Really? And, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we joined in and, you know, everyone had had a couple of drinks and everyone was singing Waiting on a Sunny Day. One, two, three, four, waiting, waiting on a sunny day. <laughs> and it went on for half an hour. Wow, they love that song over there. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they do. Not my favorite song. but Oh, the, it's, the, it's but, not my but, favorite song. But the atmosphere was great. Yeah, you, know, you'll, you, you you'll, couldn't not join in. 
It'd be hard pressed to find a like a rabid Springsteen fan asking for that song, but in Europe they love it, you know. They absolutely do. Yep. They absolutely do. Uh, so there's four more to go. Uh, we're off to Chicago next weekend uh, to to take in the show at the United Center. Uh, then we're doing Virginia Beach and uh, Philly and Pittsburgh. It'll be my first show in Philly, which I think uh, you know everyone says. Yeah, is Philly's always a good city uh, for me. A, a great venue, and uh, you know I do have some online Bruce buds from Philly that I've never actually met in person, so I'm hoping to get together cool, yeah. and uh, have a chat with some of them. I wonder if the, if he's going to play, uh, I guess it's going to be similar to the Europe shows where he's kind of just doing a mix of river stuff with other things. I assume he's not going to be pulling the whole river out in the stadium shows back here. You know, I'd be surprised if he did a full river show yeah. uh, on, on this leg of the tour. Uh, don't get me wrong, you know, I saw the river in its entirety 13 times here uh, on the first on the front side of the show and loved every second of it. Yeah. You know, you know what you're signing up for. Yeah, I know there were some people who started complaining about it while it was called the River Tour and as advertised, he was playing the river in its entirety. Yeah. And uh, you know, after seeing a few shows, you started knowing the noticing the little differences. Little differences, Just, yeah. You know, a, a couple of different little stories here yeah. and there, a couple of different versions of some fantastic songs. I mean, point blank drive all night just incredible songs to see live and hey i don't mind seeing those 13 times yeah I'll, stolen I'll, I'll car i love stolen car, stolen car absolutely. oh yeah absolutely <laughs> he uh, uh at the opener in philly sorry in pittsburgh he did uh, independence day and it happened to be on the first anniversary of the passing of my father. Oh, really? And for years, uh, I was convinced that that song was written about me and my dad. No. Because we had a bit of a, a mercurial relationship, yeah, particularly similar, yeah. in my youth. And uh, so we were standing there, and he launched into Independence Day on the first anniversary of my dad's passing. And, uh, man, the tears were rolling down my cheeks. Wow. Like, like you wouldn't believe. So that, was a, that was a pretty special moment on good the moment, tour Good for moment, good moment, yeah. All right, so yeah, I guess he's gonna wrap up these stadium shows, uh, like in September, and then we got a uh, we got a book and an album coming out. Any thoughts on that? I guess we're all looking forward to that, eh? I'm waiting with bated breath, just like everyone else. Yeah, we'll see, uh, I wonder what he's gonna do, put in that book, eh? There's all. What are you looking forward to hearing? I'm hoping he he puts some names or some stories to some of these girls in these songs. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> like, is there actually a Mary out there? Like, <laughs> uh, you know, it's a wait and see. Um, Who's the girl in Backstreets that lied to him? Man? I would like, love. <laughs> I would love to know that. You know, there's been all sorts of stories about the true meaning of Backstreets for years. Like, wh- why did he? Why did he throw that cake on that? Didn't he have that girlfriend photographer that No Nukes concert where he yeah, threw a cake on her? Remember? Right. Yeah, he kind of had about that. Had, yeah. a, had a night where it's kind of unSpringsteen and kind of lost it a bit. Yeah, very unBruce like. <laughs> yeah, very unBruce like. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how deep he decides to go. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's endless stories. Yeah. It's uh, just what is he going to want to tell and what is yeah. he going to want to keep, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, he. Um, yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's it's going to be. Hopefully, it's going to be a, a pleasant surprise. Yeah. And everyone will find out things that. I'm sure it'll make be a few stories. Drop. Yeah. I like to. I'll find out his. Uh, what happened with him and Steve, during that Born in the USA era where he left the band? Like, was it, was it mutual or did something go down and they just didn't say? It? Was it him or John Lando kind of thing or? We'll see. Uh, here's a story that I don't know if you've heard, and this is about fourth hand, so I can't yeah. uh, you know, say how accurate all of this is. But apparently uh, when he parted comp- company temporarily from the band, um, nobody had trademarked the E Street Band. Really? And so Danny Federici went down and trademarked it. And uh, 
sort of, I guess, when years later when Bruce decided he wanted to reactivate the brand or something like that, uh, Danny, who apparently was his constant foil, right. said, uh, well, you're going to have to get my permission to do that. <laughs> and uh, there was apparently a bit of jousting back and forth. Mm. Apparently, uh, Danny was the guy who always knew how to, how to poke Bruce. Yeah. And uh, there was, he eventually relented. He just wanted to play him for a little while. And yeah, just no have money changed his, hands or anything like that. Yeah, but, uh, just have it in his back pocket just in case down the road he needs something, you know, yeah. a little leverage some way. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so the story goes, Danny is the guy who actually owned the E Street Band and trademarked it or copyrighted yeah, it or yeah. whatever you do. <laughs> and so. then he's got a... He's got an album coming out, I guess, to uh, coincide with a book called Chapter and Verse, and I guess it's going to look like each song is going to represent a chapter kind of thing in his life and his musical yeah, journey from, kind of thing. From what I've heard, they're going back. They're going deep. They're going all the way back to uh, some, of, some of the Castile's material. Yeah, the big incentive is, like, I guess, that the uh, there's five songs that are unreleased, and there's... Uh, there's two songs by the Castiles. I guess it's got Bruce's first ever studio recording from 1966. It's got a live version of them from 67. It's got a it's got a steel mill song. Yeah. It's got a what the Bruce Springsteen band version, Ballad of Jesse James. Yeah. And then yep. it's got a demo of uh, Henry Boy, a song I've never heard. Uh, uh, neither have I. Looking forward to uh, looking yeah. forward to seeing uh, seeing what that sounds like and uh, going as deep as deep gets, I suppose. Yeah. And then I guess further on the horizon, 2017, we're talking about a solo album and a solo tour. Any uh, predictions on what that's going to be? Any hopes? Far be it from me to go out on a limb there. I'm not that connected. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my crystal ball is a little murky. What would you uh, like? What would you like to Well, you know, see? I keep hearing that he's uh, he's doing Australia. Really? That uh, February, March is going to be Australia. Uh, you know the uh, well. That's the summertime down there, so I guess is, that's yeah. what, it's the yeah, time to go. Uh, you know, one of my uh, Australian uh, Springsteen buddies uh, told me that uh, they announced it on the radio. The uh, the guy who runs Frontier Touring, which is the company that does all those bookings down there, had apparently said on the radio station in Melbourne that Bruce was coming back. Yeah. So uh, if that is the case, uh, we will be making the long trek mm. to Australia and New Zealand once again. Because uh, uh, why why be in Toronto in February when exactly. you can you know be in the Hunter Valley drinking wine? <laughs> uh, and uh, subsequent to that, I think uh, you know the the solo tour uh, comes into play. Mm -hmm. I wonder if he's if it's like like acoustic solo or if it's going to be more solo like human touch lucky town or like a devils and dust kind of solo album or uh well whichever one it is i'll i'll sign up for as many yeah. as i can make i'm sure it'll be great you know what i would love to see i've said this before i don't know if we'll, we'll ever see it is bruce play with a like a three or four piece band you know like he's played solo and he's played with the 10 piece the 15 piece e street band i would like to see him play with a three three or four piece rock band that would be absolutely fantastic wouldn't it be great or like go out with the uh, like the b street band have just max <laughs> max gary and steve you yeah. know or or max gary and roy or something like that you know like like he's got that I started thinking this when I heard that uh, you can look, but you better not touch version from the river where he's just the rockabilly, the rockabilly and it's version. just guitar, bass, drums. And I'm like, oh, it sounds great. I would love to hear some of his other songs like in that kind of stripped back band setting. You 
Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, one thing I didn't mention is, uh, you know, we'll see if he does Light of Day this year. You know, I've been down to Light of Day a few times now. Uh, seeing Bruce in uh, in Asbury Park at the Paramount Theater is uh, is some different right. kind of yeah. special. Uh, you know, he doesn't play with E Street. Uh, we've seen him play with Joe Gushecki and the House Rockers, I guess, his de facto backup band when he's not playing with E Street. Um, so, you know, he gave it a miss last year because the Light of Day main event happened to coincide with the opening night of uh, of the River Tour in Pittsburgh. Really? So maybe first up for Bruce is uh, is another appearance at Light of Day, which Excellent. is, uh, you know, a great, uh, a great, uh, great event. Yeah, Light of Day, they just, uh, they're doing Light of Day shows up here in Canada now, and they just announced a bunch of Steve Earle shows. I've said before, I'm a huge Steve Earle fan, so. Yeah, big shout out uh, to Dave Rotella. Uh, down in uh, St. Catharines and Gord Hunter up in Kingston for all the work they do on Light of Day Canada. Those guys do a tremendous job. It's a great cause. And, uh, you know, they, they get the talent out. And I think uh, anybody out there listening, they're doing four shows here in Canada. I think it's the 16th, 17th, 18th, and 19th of yeah. November. Go and see it, folks. You won't be disappointed. Yeah, I'll be there. I'm going to go to at least two of those shows, catch Steve Earle. He's playing the entire Guitar Town album. Which yeah, is which a, will be fantastic. That's going to be great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, huge Steve Earle fan myself. And uh, yeah, yeah, guarantee you there's going to be some uh, some other acts added to that. Uh, you know, Dave and Gord are being tight-lipped about it, but uh, it won't just be Steve Earle. Excellent, excellent. All right, so speaking of Steve Earle, any other artists you're interested in that you've... Uh, you well, you put know, up there, well, maybe not on the same level of Bruce, but who's your second bester? Well, one of the great things about being a Bruce Springsteen fan is the music he exposes you to. Right, yeah. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, I've been down to Light of Day a few times, and there's a guy that I have become a huge fan of over the last few years who is a contemporary of Bruce's. I've seen Bruce play with him. They're personal friends, and that's Willie Nile. Jimi Hendrix plays all night long In the house of a thousand guitars Through a purple haze you can hear the song In the house of a thousand guitars When the clock strikes twelve Robert Johnson sings In the house of a thousand guitars Neath a delta moon and a worn brass ring In the house of a thousand guitars Drive! 
Almost to the pinnacle, but didn't yeah. quite go over the top. But as a phenomenal musician, if you get a chance to check out some Willie Nile, he's got a great new album. Here's a shameless plug uh, mm. called World War Willie that has a bunch of original material and a screaming version of uh, Sweet Jane because yeah. him and Lou Reed were buddies. Uh, and a, a fantastic tribute to Levon Helm called When Levon Sings. Nice. So Willie Nile, uh, he's, he's actually become a friend of mine. I've been lucky enough to become friends with Willie. He, uh, he actually came up and did a living room show for us uh, last February uh, as a fundraiser for a non-profit that I'm involved in. Mm-hmm. Tremendous guy, phenomenal musician, good buddy of Bruce's. Uh, when he comes to Toronto, he usually plays uh, small venues like the Horseshoe. He has played for Light of Day as well, and he is a, he's a great guy to go and see. So, a uh, huge Willie Nile fan, Steve Earle, absolutely. Yeah. Um, there's a new band out there called, I, I think it's pronounced Lucero. Yeah. Well, they're not that new. They've been around for about 15 years, but they've got a great new album out that uh, Rich Russo actually turned me on to. He posted it up on his, uh, on his show, so I've been listening Checking to those guys an cool. awful lot. Um, the Hold Steady, great band. Uh, Big Stones fan. Yeah. Uh, Classics. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm of that age, so good I'm stuff. Yeah, yeah. Certainly a classic rock kind of guy. <laughs> uh, and on the local front, you know, um, I, I do like blues music. I'm a big fan of blues music, and there's a great band from Ottawa called Monkey Junk. Really? They are a phenomenal blues trio. Uh, right. You know, they've cleaned up at the Canadian Maple Blues Awards a, a few times. Great guys, really approachable guys. They hang around after their shows and mingle with the fans. Phenomenal musicians. Steve Mariner is the front man. Great guitar player, sorry, bass player. Uh, Tony D is their guitar player. Great guitarist. And uh, Mariner also plays a mean harmonica. So if you want to go and see some homegrown talent, yep. I would highly recommend uh, Monkey Jump. Great blues band. Excellent. Good stuff, man. One other thing I was going to say is you had some people turn you on to Springsteen. Have you turned others on to Springsteen? Or? Uh, I've done my best over the years, I guess. Friends, family uh, members, yeah, girlfriends, I, I think, you know. Uh, probably my, my biggest win has uh, has been with, uh, you know, my better three quarters, Kathy. Yeah. You know, she, was, uh, she was always a fan. You know, she was, uh, you know, she liked Bruce. But, uh, you know, since her and I got together uh, shortly after 2008, she has become absolutely rabid. Well, that's good. Because um, you got to have them on board with your fandom, right? Well, I've been very fortunate that she has no objections to traveling the world to see Bruce. That's and has good. has no problem with me <laughs> allocating my resources to do just that. Yeah, um, yeah uh, a couple of buddies of mine's uh, kids have uh, have hopped on the Bruce bandwagon. Mm-hmm. I'd say partly introduced by me, more so by their parents, but I've right, certainly right. encouraged them in that regard. Uh, and, uh, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we dragged a couple of, uh, of newbies out to shows on the river tour and they thought that we were insane you know i can't yeah. believe you guys spend all this money and you know follow this guy around or you're out of your minds and uh we took uh some some first timers to go and see bruce uh, down in buffalo and we all but won the lottery yeah. uh, we were we were about the first 20 people in so we were front and center wow and he put on a great show in buffalo which 
is my favorite show on the River Tour so far. Right. Uh, because of the content uh, and also because of the company. And uh, they got it. Excellent. Yeah. Good stuff, yeah. Springsteen's a good guy, man. A lot of fun. A lot of fun to be have if you're a Springsteen fan. Absolutely. You know what? I Just on a sort of a weird different. You know what I heard the other day? Have you ever, have you ever heard that uh, that Howard Stern clip of the Bruce Springsteen answering machine message? I never have. You never have heard that. I eh? have never heard that. <laughs> okay. Well, let me drop this clip into the show right now, so you'll have a listen. It's. Uh, I guess Howard Stern had this. It was given to him, and I guess he had Clarence on the show to corroborate the story. Just say, "Was this true?" And Clarence said, "Yeah, that's his. That's his answering machine." And it's apparently you call him up, and he's got this message that's just like. Uh, uh, there ain't nobody home right now. I can't come to the telephone, so uh, I don't know when I'm gonna be back. So leave a message, Jack. And he's playing guitar and he's rocking <laughs> out. It's just, <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah. So uh, so check this out. This Bruce Springsteen answering machine thing, pretty cool. Of Bruce Springsteen's message, message, answering yeah. his answering machine. machine. Yeah. And someone gave it to me and told me it's the real thing. And I figured Clarence could at least tell us if it's really him. Could you tell us if it's him? It's real. It is real. That's the, the real one. one? How'd you get that? I don't know how I got that. Somebody uh, gave it to me. Uh, That's the real one. That's real. That is really his yeah. answering machine? Uh, hey, can we play that? It blew my mind. Yeah, play that. Check this out. This is Bruce Springsteen's answering machine message. Pretty cool, isn't it? I liked it. Hi, yeah. boss. That's pretty good, isn't it? That's great. All right, so any final thoughts? Anything you want to say? Anything you got to plug? Or? Uh, I think I've already plugged uh, Light of Day for Mr. Rotella and Mr. Right. Hunter. Uh, you know, don't miss out, folks. It's going to be a great show. Intimate venues. Steve Earle, one of the best and most iconic, I think, and underrated songwriters of an entire generation. Absolutely. I have always said there's only one guy I like better than Bruce Springsteen, and that's uh, that's Steve, Steve Earle. Yeah. He is. He is right up there. Uh, you know, I have I've seen him uh, probably about a dozen times uh, over the years, both out on the West Coast and uh, you know out here in Toronto. Uh, phenomenal songwriter. And, Excellent. Uh, yeah. A really good supporter. A, a really good performer as well. Cool. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Charles, for helping me out with this podcast and sharing your Springsteen fandom with the audience here. And uh, well, it was my pleasure, Lee. And uh, you know, I hope everyone uh, you know who who listens enjoys it. Absolutely. I hope to uh, get you back on the show for uh, something else when we uh, get in more of a specified uh, topic, maybe the Devils and Dust album review or whatever we'll talk about, and uh, get a show review actually maybe in the future. And uh, yeah, we'll talk with you soon, and we'll get you back here. Be more than happy to. All right, great. Thanks, Charles. Thank you. So, that's the show, folks. Thanks for listening. You can find us on our website at trampslikeuspod.com, communicate with us on Facebook at our Tramps Like Us podcast group page, and on Twitter at Tramps Like Us Pod. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, where you can leave a review and a five-star rating. Tramps Like Us podcast is a nonprofit audio fanzine created by fans for fans and is available for free. We are not affiliated with Bruce Springsteen or Columbia Sony Records. If you've heard any music you like, please find it and purchase it from BruceSpringsteen.net, iTunes, Amazon, your local record store, or wherever music is sold. As always, 
gratitude and respect to Bruce Springsteen and all past and current members of the heart-stopping, pants-dropping, hard-rocking, booty-shaking, earthquaking, love-making, Viagra-taking, history-making, testifying, death-defying, legendary E Street Band. Gentlemen, this election on November 4th is going to be very tight. Now hopefully with a little voter obstruction and scaring the crap out of people with things like Ebola and immigrants, we're gonna be able to take back the Senate. <laughs> but there's one thing I'm very worried about. Gayness, becoming airborne. Ah, oh, fuck. I'm worried about two things. What I was gonna say was that I am worried about Bruce Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen? Yeah, Glenn. Bruce fucking Springsteen. You ever heard of him? Uh, yeah. Take a look. By all standards, this Bruce Springsteen is one of the most popular men in America. So what? He's just a singer. Remember when we destroyed that Dixie chick bitch? Yeah, Bob, I remember that. But you can't do that with Bruce. He's an icon. And he's not a woman, as far as we know. Now, what if people look at Bruce and they say, hey, there's the most popular man in America. He doesn't like Republicans. What am I doing? That could cost us the election. Oh, God, no, 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 no. Now, I've been working on something. The conservative answer to Bruce Springsteen had to change his name a little so he doesn't sound so Jewish, had to clean up his wardrobe so he doesn't look like a scary homeless guy. But gentlemen and gentlemen, I think you're going to like this. The conservative Bruce Springsteen, Brad Springford. I got a 2015 six series sedan with ergonomically molded seats. She's waiting for me in the six car garage of a house with 7,000 square feet. My business manager, Sonny. Leased her for 900 flat. Sonny always use them down real good. We just run for the money. Barely pay taxes and shut up liberals and gays like we should. I met my wife on a business trip to Houston just three years back. Michelle Bachman, if Bachman lost 10 pounds in her ass. Tonight, tonight, Paul Ryan's abs are tight and Rams great and global warming's a joke. Cause November is here and the time is right to make it really hard for people to What a patriot. You're damn right he's a patriot. And it's my pleasure to introduce to you Mr. Brad Springford. Yeah. Good to 
see you guys. How are you? Guys, Brad here is going to be campaigning for us this fall all over the country. Just uh, one quick question. What's that, Brad? How much am I going to get paid? As per the law mandates, we're prepared to offer you $7.25 an hour. But if things go well this November, we're prepared to offer you even less. $7.25 an hour? That's right, Brad. I mean, with all due respect, uh, you can go fuck yourself. That ain't shit, guys. Shit balls. You know, this keeps happening. Maybe it's time we did pay more. The hell with that. We should be focusing on how to make the ballot more confusing in Democratic counties. Great idea. I got something, guys. What if you have to wear 3D goggles in order to see the ballot? Wow. Yeah! 3D goggles! This is our job. Wow. Visionary. Visionary. Yeah. Okay, guys. Shirts off. Let's hit the hot tub. All right. All right.